I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. Uh, hi, my name is Brian Preston, and I just wondered, why can't Baltimore synchronize their traffic lights? Brian, as a driver, what's uh, what's your experience like driving around town? You feel like you spend a lot of time at red lights? I do. I, I actually do think I spend a lot of time just randomly at red lights in the city. It uh, There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to uh, pretty much just when the lights are going off. If you had to guess, like, how much time do you think you spend at red lights when you're driving around Baltimore? Like, what percentage of time driving do you think you spend at red lights? Uh, if I'm thinking percentages, uh, probably like, uh, like 10, 10, 15% of my drive is just sort of spent sitting there for no reason. All right, Brian, I'm going to see if I can find you some answers. Okay, thanks. I look forward to them. Okay, in a minute I'm going to introduce you to two guys I found who are the organizational masterminds behind Baltimore's traffic grid. But first, I'm going to get a little independent research project underway for you. I am reporting from my car right now where I've got a notebook in here with me uh, with a chart set up on it. And for the next several days, I'm going to keep a travel log. I've got this thing split into five columns, date, time, route, total trip duration, and time spent at red lights. I've got a stopwatch here, and I'm going to count time spent as red lights as the time from when I come to a complete stop at a red light intersection to the time when I take my foot off the brake and start moving again. And by the way, I should say I live in Baltimore. Most of the places I drive to are here in Baltimore. But if I do cross over the city line on any trip, I will mark that as the end of the trip. I also am going to avoid using I-83, the Jones Falls Expressway, and only drive on city streets. Now, by the end of this experiment, I should be able to add up my total time spent driving and then tally my total time spent at red lights and then calculate to get the percentage of driving time spent at red lights. So, listeners, put your bets in now. What's it going to be? 5%, 10%, 20%, 25%. We are going to find out. See if I can get the car started. This is Monday, November 22nd. I am going from work to pick up my daughter at her friend's house. Time, 325. And here we go. All right, rolling up to our first stoplight. Complete stop. Timer. All right, eight seconds. Not too bad. We have made it through our first red light of... God knows how many traffic lights in Baltimore City. We have approximately 1,400 traffic signals, uh, which consists of various electronic and mechanical components that uh, we maintain on a daily basis. This is William Haynes. He's the chief of the Baltimore City Department of Transportation Traffic Division. He oversees a crew of about 100 people. And every day they're out there uh, replacing components, uh, troubleshooting, doing modifications to traffic signals, and even building new signals to sort of make sure our network is is operating with peak efficiency. All right, 28th and Charles, rolling up to a red light. Car is stopped, timer is on. Mr. Haynes says if you want to know how long you're going to be stuck at a red light, well, that depends on when you hit that light. The lengths of the reds and greens are programmed to stretch and contract depending on the time of day. The morning rush hour has very unique characteristics to it. You know, it's highly directional, um, lots of volume. So um, we may have a plan for, say, the AM peak. We may also have a plan for the PM peak. We also may also have a plan for the off peak. And so those plans are sort of activated at a particular time of day and sort of reflect the demands and the fluctuations in traffic that you might see throughout a day. We also have timing plans for certain recurring events, like stadium events you know, designed to get people downtown to Oreo games or to Ravens games. 
This is Frank Murphy. He's been with the city's Department of Transportation for 47 years. The challenge for us is having the ability to collect data, to have communications to the, you know, the outlying intersections. 29th and Charles. Ooh, the light just turned green. I'm going to blow right through this one. At our traffic management center, we have connections to, you know, what who's getting the green, who's getting the red. We know if it's on flash. We know if the power's out. But a lot of the other intersections, we don't have reliable connections to. And, you know, it's been an ongoing challenge. So what Mr. Murphy is saying here is there's great technology available to streamline and synchronize traffic lights. If you can communicate with your traffic lights, Care to guess how many traffic lights in Baltimore have a smart connection to traffic headquarters? 75%? 50%? It's a smaller number. I would say it's, a, it's between 15 and 20% of our signals. 54 seconds. Okay. Let's see how this is going to start adding up. Mr. Haynes says obviously the ideal scenario is that they could communicate with all the signals. But, you know, over time, communications infrastructure fails just like any other outdated infrastructure. And sort of where we're catching up is um, trying to repair and uh, replace some of that infrastructure, but then also using cheaper, um, more easily integratable uh, technologies such as wireless technology. And so, you know, luckily we have funding and we have the support of the administration, and our goal is to push some of our projects forward that address some of the communications issues. Rolling up to destination. Trip length, 19 minutes. Red light time, 5 minutes, 33 seconds. Ooh. So to get back to the question of why can't Baltimore synchronize its traffic lights, what we've learned so far is the system is old, traffic headquarters can't readily communicate with a majority of the traffic signals, and yes, there are smarter, newer ways to streamline the system, but that, of course, takes money. There is another reason, though, why you're not likely to get that uninterrupted sequence of green lights when you're driving in Baltimore, a very intentional reason. Mr. Haynes says it can be done. It's called maximizing the green band, where the green lights cascade for you down the length of a corridor. Part of the challenge with that is that's a very car-centric perspective. And, um, of course, here we really embrace a multimodal philosophy, also a safety-first philosophy. And so in doing so, making sure that pedestrians can cross the street safely, um, giving priority to transit in some cases, um, making sure that cyclists aren't in constant competition with vehicular traffic, all those things mean that some proportion of the right-of-way has to be reallocated away from vehicular traffic in order to create better balance in our transportation system. That balance, of course, depends on drivers actually respecting the lights, slowing down instead of speeding up when the yellow comes on, and not blowing through lights that have just turned red, which, you know, if you drive in Baltimore, I don't have to tell you how often that happens. Ultimately, people will tend to be aggressive. Um, they think that they can get through because there is a period of time where traffic just is, is, is completely stopped, and that's called the all red. And it's unfortunate, but really it takes a combination of enforcement um, as well as education to get people to, to use safer behaviors. There are red light cameras at some of the city's intersections where the strobe light will go off and a red light crasher will get a ticket in the mail. But at most stoplights, you're on your honor. How often do you see a Baltimore police car pull someone over for running a red light? They've got other mandates and priorities, and tough on red lights isn't a slogan they're likely to roll out anytime soon. But Mr. Murphy says it would make a difference. I've done a lot of accident research in the last couple of years, 
And in almost every intersection, the leading cause is what we call, you know, vehicle interangle accident or right angle accident. That's when one of the cars has got into the intersection on the green and the other one must have had a red. And so red light running is, is a big problem. I'm sure it's nationwide, but it's not unusual for us to find an intersection where three quarters of the crashes are related to caused by red light running. You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. Can I ask you guys a personal question? Like, how, how did you get into this field? Like, what's your passion for this? Were you really into solving Rubik's Cubes as a kid or, like, puzzles? I mean, it takes a certain kind of mind, I imagine, to gravitate toward this line of work. Well, it's funny you bring that up because this is something that I've been interested in for my whole life. When I was in early single digits, uh, my father would take us out riding around seeing them building the Beltway at the time. And I still remember they, the section was from Falls Road to Lock Raven Boulevard. And it's amazing. I knew that because it was way before I was starting to drive. My mom, uh, for my birthday one year, made a cake with green food coloring and two white stripes for the concrete roadways and little cars and trucks on them. I'll never forget that. And when I was in high school, I rode around with a Baltimore map and put dots on where the traffic signals were. So it's always been in my blood. It's one of these things that you have to have a passion for. I was uh, working on a civil engineering degree, and I was actually going to go into um, hydraulics and fluid dynamics. That was kind of my real big interest. And I took uh, a traffic engineering course, and I found out that a lot of the formulas that are used for fluid flow are the same formulas that are used for traffic flow. The only difference is human factors are now inserted into the equation. And I was just completely fascinated by that, and the rest is history. Rolling up to a red light, 33rd and Keswick. Timer. So the time has come now to tally up the official results of my research project over four days. Total time spent driving on the city streets of Baltimore, 132 minutes. Total time spent stopped at red lights, 32.23 minutes. Total red light time divided by total driving time is, drumroll, 24% of the time I spent driving this week, I spent sitting stopped at a red light. So there you have it. By my best calculations, you're spending a quarter of your time driving, not driving. But um, I guess that's the bargain we make when we get behind the wheel in Baltimore. We could resent that and mourn those seconds of our lives that are ticking away at red lights. Or, you know, there's that philosophical idea that it's our resistance to an unpleasant situation that's at the root of our suffering. You can't control how long that light's going to stay red, but I guess you can breathe and you can study the color of the light and you can strive to be at peace. Any philosophical words of wisdom for a a Baltimore driver who happens to be stuck at a a traffic light and feeling like they've been there forever and getting impatient? Hmm, that's a good question. I guess just remember that it may be due to the desire that we have to provide for all modes, bicycle, pedestrian, bus, truck, cars, and we're trying to kind of even the scales. What I would say to anyone stuck in traffic is that any trip that we take is an extremely personal experience, that it's concurrent with our life journey, and that all of us are on a journey, and so when you're stuck in traffic, 
you see someone running to catch the bus, um, you see someone uh, who maybe cuts in front of you in traffic, uh, just keep in mind that they're also on a journey and that it's important to give them grace. It's important to think about their safety as well as your own. And I think that that change in mindset is what will help us get to a safer, more efficient transportation system. Spiritual words of wisdom from traffic engineers William Haynes and Frank Murphy, who do the best they can with what they've got to help us all along our journey. Brian Preston, you asked this week's question. You may or may not be completely satisfied with the answer. What are your thoughts here at the end of this episode? Uh, you know, I'm actually not that surprised that we do have the ways to fix this problem at hand, but we do not have the infrastructure to actually solve it. That is, yeah, I thought it was interesting that they do actually, they could totally modernize the system, but they can't. What do you think about that idea that Mr. Haynes said about giving each other grace? I mean, that's, that sort of helps when you're feeling frustrated at a red light. Uh, I would certainly say that I, I did not come here for spiritual solutions, but it was nice to get one. And I do think that is a far healthier and uh, more holistic way to look at being stuck in traffic. Uh, now about the potholes. We'll save that for another episode. Thank you, Brian Preston, for an excellent question. And thank you for getting an excellent answer, Aaron. All right. Stay safe and stay sane out there on the roads, everybody. And uh, stay curious, too. If you have a question about the region that's got you scratching your head, let me know. You can put me to work at wypr.org slash curiosity. That's also where you can get a look at other listeners' questions, and you can vote on what you think I ought to report on next. The show page again, wypr.org slash curiosity. Thank you uh, also, by the way, for the kind ratings and reviews that you've been leaving for the show on Apple Podcasts and the other platforms. Uh, Here's one that says, Baltimore's terrain, geography, geology, history, and politics, a charm city gem shines. Loved this podcast, stumbled on this, no regrets, fun facts and history you never think about or knew. Can't wait to hear more. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for these kind words. They really... um, not only make me feel good, they, they actually really help other curious listeners find their way to the podcast, too. Appreciate you. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is an original production of WYPR. I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening, and we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org. Thank you.